from the number one best-selling author of Life Rescripted. You're now tuning in to the Year of Purpose podcast. I'm Zephan Moses Blacksburg. Benjamin Chin and Zavin Embry are the two founders of the House of Hip Hop, a New York City-based music festival that features up-and-coming musicians playing over the span of four days. Ben is formerly in the Singapore Armed Forces, and he's now a saxophonist in New York City, and is also a band leader of QNA. An ardent fan of 60s and 70s jazz and contemporary hip-hop, he aims to find the middle ground between the two in his playing. And Zavin, who's also based in New York City, is a pianist, singer, and composer. His works focus on bridging the gap between the foundation laid by the masters of jazz, funk, gospel, and R&B with modern technology. Technology. A proponent of the Afrofuturism movement, he grew up listening to a wide range of artists from Miles Davis to Steely Dan, and also works as a musical director and business owner in New York City. Guys, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having us. For having us, definitely. So this will be an interesting one. We have you guys conference called in, and so I'm going to have you guys just kind of split up individually to share a little bit about your background first, just so people know who we're talking about. So let's go ahead and just start with Ben. Ben, if you could just kind of uh, give us a little background on how you came from the Singapore Armed Forces to being in New York. Cool. Um, Yeah, I have a little kind of... Uh, interesting history. I was born in Singapore. I moved to Minneapolis actually when I was eight. Right, so I grew up in Minneapolis, and then at 18, I went back to Singapore uh, to Singapore to serve in the Singapore Armed Forces. Um, they have a conscript army. And before I went to Singapore, I picked up the saxophone. I got really, really into jazz and everything. I started college, and I wanted to do music, but that wasn't my passion at the time. I was going to school for neuroscience. I took a break. I went to Singapore, went through the army, and after the army, I looked back at everything and um, realized that I didn't want to go back to Minneapolis. That was not. That's not where my heart was. Um, I really wanted to play music, and so I decided to move to New York with. A good friend Carlos Kelly we moved to New York and we went with the intention of starting Q&A my jazz and hip-hop band and from there I met Zavin I met the whole network of people that I play with now and that's about it that's where I am now that's awesome so I think it goes without saying that New York definitely has an amazing music and hip-hop scene Zavin how about you get us started just give us a little bit of background on you did you grow up in New York Actually, I uh, grew up in Los Angeles, uh, moved to New York about uh, six years ago, um, basically um, on a very similar premise. I find that's that's one of my favorite things about New York City is I feel like, you know, it attracts a lot of people from all over the world who are just like, you know, I have this dream. I have this vision in my head. You know, it can be the most out obscure thing in the world, whatever. They can be like, I want to be the best ventriloquist in the world. You know, but there's like, I'm going to go to New York and I'm going to make this dream real. So it was kind of the same thing with me. Uh, you know, um, I'm, I've been a musician uh, you know, since I was a kid. My mother's a musician as well. So I've had it in the family, but I just really wanted to um, go full force. And I've always loved the energy of New York. So sort of on a whim, I just moved out to New York and said, let me make this my full time career. That's awesome. So you guys really 
found a place that just kind of felt like it was right to go to next and just went for it. And it sounds like you just dump, jump off the deep end and just go for it. Yeah, I mean, I, so. I feel like that's the only thing to do, the only way to do things nowadays. Yeah, totally. Well, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, just music in general, because I think that we've talked about so many different things on the podcast, whether it's meditation, whether it's starting and running a business, um, you know, a, a wide variety of things. But I don't think we've had much of a chance other than our episode with Jordan Goodman from Beatwell, who actually runs drum circles. It's super cool. He's down here in Maryland. But I think we haven't had much of a chance to talk about music and the role that it plays in your life. So I wonder if maybe you guys could expand upon, you know, how music became so important and what it does for you. You know, I know personally for me that lyrics in a song can certainly relate to my mood that day. And a lot of the times I'll listen to certain types or genres of music depending on what's going on in my life. And I think music can certainly tell that story. What type of role does music play in your lives? Mm. Savin, you want to go first? Sure, I can dive right into that. Um, well, I, I can say that as a as a kid, you know, um, I actually started when I was a kid. My creative outlet, I was more of a visual artist. I used to draw a lot. I used to spend a lot of time drawing, you know, comic book heroes and the like. Um, my mother, like I mentioned before, was a music artist, and so I came around came up around a lot of music and a very diverse palette of music. Um, but for me, I would say that there was kind of this moment for me, uh, maybe it was about 11 or 12. You know, before that point, I might have, you know, fiddled a little bit, but never really found music to be my per primary uh, means of uh, expression. However, uh, I was listening to some Miles Davis, uh, classic record, Kind of Blue, and there's a song on there, uh, Blue and Green, which is just, it's got to be, it's possibly my all-time favorite piece of music. Um, but I just remember listening to that piece of music and it's just a beautiful ballad. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, if in my lifetime, if I can create anything even close to how beautiful this is, I feel like I really accomplished something. Cause I, I felt like the feeling that music gave me, if I can, you know, somehow, um, create that energy for other people, I feel like that's like a beneficial thing to do. And I feel like I would be very satisfied with it. So I just think that music is healing. I feel like it's transcendent. I feel like, um, you know, it's therapeutic. It can be so many things, different things for different people. It can give you revelations about your life. You know, it gives you perspective. It can calm you down. There's so many things that it can do for people. So I just feel like, you know, it's a positive thing that I've, I've wanted to create in that way for myself and others. That's awesome. And how about you, Ben? Um, well, music for me... I didn't grow up in a very musical family at all. I mean, we joke about it a bunch, but my my mom's tone deaf and can't keep a beat or anything. <laughs> so they wonder where I got it from. Um, but I really looked at music. I really got into music in around high school. And it was really because of these, like, feelings of, like, anxiety and like you know and other like like sadness and stuff like that some no like normal feelings but i had i didn't have an outlet to um for them i just all i did back then was uh play video games and eat junk food but when i picked up the saxophone in school um and then subse uh, subsequently picked up the guitar 
I started to realize that this is a great outlet for me to like get out my feelings. If I were, if I really wanted to explain how I felt, uh, how this anxiety was making me feel, or how um, sad I was because I don't know because I broke up with someone, I would express it all through music and didn't. I didn't find anything else, and up to now, I haven't found anything else that has done that for me. Um, and then it got even more. Prominent, it got even more important by the time I got to New York. Uh, the move, you know, was a move, and it was it came with its its difficulties. And when I was trying to find my place, that's when like music got even more like um, integral to to what I want to do. You know, like I knew coming to New York that I wanted to do it. And but but when I was in New York, I was trying to make my own way. And I realized that I always do it, whether it's listening to Kendrick Lamar, listening to Tribe Called Quest, listening to John Coltrane, whatever it is, and and then making a song that you know that explained my feelings. Well, for us, you know, it's interesting. In a, in a sense, it kind of found us more than we found it. Um, being musicians in New York City. Um, playing around, you know, we both um, have our own work and groups that we play in, but then, you know, we freelance with other amazing artists in the city, um, playing in different shows at different venues. And, you know, we basically realized that there is this big community of, of really amazingly talented people who are taking hip hop music and expanding it based upon their set of experiences, their repertoire, their um, interests, you know, and it can be as diverse as, you know, it could be, um, it could be electronic, it could be Latin music, it could be jazz, as we've mentioned, it could be um, so many different styles. Uh, you know, it could be influenced by Indian music, it can be influenced by all sorts of stuff. It's basically just a melting pot of the experience of people and they're funneling it through um, their music that they're doing now. So, you know, we just, we just saw this huge, huge community and we were participating in it and we realized that it just didn't have a voice. Um, so it initially started out as a much smaller thing. It started out as like a, you know, one night, you know, we'll just get a couple of bands together. Um, Benjamin actually originally had the idea like, hey, what if we got like eight bands together, had like a one night thing, two floors. Um, and the place we initially went to go and have it happen said, no, uh, we're not interested. <laughs> but that was a blessing in disguise because at the end of the day, then we're like, well, we got to find other places. Then we realized, well, what about this band and this band? And there's so many other people who are doing awesome things. So then it went from eight bands to 16 bands. And so that's where we're at now. Um, you know, and some some just amazing variety of music. It went from one venue to 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 three venues, you know, to four nights, three venues. And, you know, it just it just kept expanding on itself. So it, it's almost like, you know, we were just uh, the channel. We were just the receivers, you know. We weren't necessarily even uh, as responsible as we were, you know, um, subject to this, like, beautiful thing that we feel like really needs a voice. Well, I think it's really amazing to see that, you know, a lot of people have dreams to be musicians, right? And they want to make it a business. But I think that you guys really were able to look at things a little bit differently. And one of the big things that I've always said is that you kind of have to look at life through a different lens if you want it to work in your favor. 
And it looks like you guys really kind of turn it on on its head. And instead of saying, you know, let's just settle for one place that said no and giving up there, you really were able to expand and grow it into something that's been, you know, what was it, four nights in three venues? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is now. Like, yeah, after that rejection from this venue, I mean, I, I don't think I ever saw that there was a possibility of not continuing it. The eight bands were psyched. There were other bands who wanted to be on the bill. There were um, collective, like leaders of hip hop collectives in New York that wanted to be a part of it and help out. Media uh, media um, companies that we know that wanted to help out. And I couldn't just give up. Like we had to find a place. We had, whether it was, um, could be split up or one place, whatever it was, I had to find it. So that's what we did. Um, We just kept going. So talk to me a little bit about kind of this drive to keep going, because I think that this is super important for anyone who's really kind of in the arts or the music sector. Like I gave a talk, actually, I think it was maybe about a year and a half ago to some local high schoolers and, you know, just kind of shared with them how I really chased down the things that I wanted. And one of them came up to me crying afterwards and said, you know, all my life, the only thing I've wanted to do was, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I think it was, you know, dance and and sing or something like that. And, you know, my parents have basically told me there's no way I'll ever be able to do it. How were you guys able to kind of get back up after that call and just say, all right, well, they're not going to do it, but we're still going to do it. Like, where do you find that inner strength to just keep going and to know that what you're doing is right? Mm. Well, you know, I think that, well, I think part of it is we've, in a sense, been trained um, through our through our experiences in the arts already. You know, I think that once you take that plunge um, and you decide to go for it, you know, I mean, it's, I think it's important for anyone to know that this isn't a sprint. You know, it's a marathon. You know, understand that it's it's about your endurance. I feel like ultimately you know, success, you can get there. It's at least that's how I felt is that, you know, anytime that I've come up against an obstacle, the thing that separated me from the other people who were maybe interested in the same opportunities I was, was that I just was like, you know, this is, this is not the end. It's never the end. It's not the end until I say it is, you know, I'm going to keep going because this is what I want. Um, and every time that I've followed that instinct and followed through with that instinct to continue, I've reaped the rewards of that. I found that, you know, where other people might have said, okay, well, maybe this isn't for me. I said, no, no, no. You know, I, I know I can, I found the inner strength and the confidence to say, I know that this is what I want. So let me just keep going. Let me just keep moving forward. And so I think with this festival, this is a prime example of that. I think it wasn't even a question in our mind whether we should just give up at that point because we've recognized time and time again through experience that by continuing, by, by staying like committed to the concept that there's always a way, there's always a way to make it happen. You just gotta, you know, you gotta finagle a little bit. You might, you know, have to put the puzzle together a little differently than you originally imagined it, but it is possible. Yeah. I mean, I was, we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago, um, Zavin and, I was saying that in with anything in life, you know, moving to New York, putting this festival, even like a keeping a relationship or something. I've realized that people mm. really only function best when 
they make a Ulysses contract with themselves. If they, in their mind, there's no other way. Like for me, there's no other way I can live without, uh, other than playing music, other than playing jazz, hip hop, whatever the, like in whatever way, even if, even if my circumstances changed and I couldn't play saxophone or something, I still know, I still have that Ulysses contract with myself. I have to play music. I have to get it out. I have to express my feelings. I'll find a way. And so you can apply that to anything really. Well, and I think it's so important to keep in mind that at the end of the day, like your basic need is, is this form of expression. Right. And I think that if we kind of look at this at a, a global scale or even just a bigger perspective by taking a step back, like there are so many people out there right now that feel that they don't have the ability to express themselves and look at what it's doing in the world today. I mean, you know, at the time of recording this, we just had quite possibly one of the worst terrorist attacks in the world uh, on a group of people that chooses to live their life a certain way that not everyone else chooses to do. And I think that, you know, if people were just allowed to express themselves and come to the table and have conversations, uh, I can't say that that would stop terrorism, but I think it would certainly open up some dialogues that we might not have been able to open up before. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I think it's interesting because, you know, um, at least from my standpoint, I feel like a lot of the, 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 the darker sides of humanity, it comes out in, uh, you know, if it comes from some form of repression, you know, some form of holding in. I don't think as as beings that we are meant to hold things inside of ourselves. You know, if you're if you if you hold something inside of yourself long enough without a place outside of yourself to put it, it comes out whether you want it to or not. And, you know, and some, you know, and for some people, you know, some people are becoming angry, you know, some people become depressed, some people become, there's all sorts of ways that those feelings that you bottle up inside um, externalize themselves, you know. So I think that the, the best way that we can function is being able to feel that we can freely express ourselves. And for someone like this person, you know, I don't know much about him, but, you know, I feel like even the ability to have, even if, you know, he was able to have a dialogue with people, even if he was able to, you know, express, even if they were, you know, his opinions were very bigoted, but being able to express those and sit down with other people who share a different viewpoint from him and say, hey, listen, this is this is what we feel, you know, what, what, what and maybe even talk to him, say like, well, where does your frustration come from? Why do you feel this way? towards um, people who are, who are in the LGBT community? What is this, what is the source of your frustration? What is the anger? If he had the opportunity to have an outlet for that, maybe a tragedy like this wouldn't have to happen. And so expression is like of the utmost importance in my opinion, you know? Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. I mean, I, I almost wonder if, you know, I, I don't, think music's necessarily like the answer for everyone but i certainly wonder if we were to just get so many more people playing music listening to it experiencing it if uh we'd start to see a change in a lot of people um you know i know for me that it makes me feel certain ways and you know if you've ever heard the band i think it's oar one of their lines is the one thing about music is when it hits you feel no pain i mean that in itself i think is is very true um I'd love to just kind of talk a little bit more about, uh, 
you know, hip hop NYC and just the, the music scene in general there, because I know people love to just kind of move to New York and just play music all day. And um, we also, it actually reminds me, there's a guy, his name is Dotan. He was on our podcast as well. And he started this thing called Piano Around the World, where he loved to play music. And I, I want to say New York was his home base. Um, and he literally just traveled the world with a piano and just played piano everywhere. And things just kind of fell into place for him. And so I'd be curious to hear from you guys. You know, New York is not a, a cheap place to live. Uh, it's pretty expensive. How do you guys, you know, get by and what's the music scene look like for those who are aspiring to do something, you know, more with their music? And that's how I make the most, uh, most of my living is by performing in the subways and busking. Really? And I started doing that basically the minute I got here. I saw people were doing it, asked them how they did it and how they went about it. And I just dove like right in and through busking, I've met the most important connections that I've had in New York. Um, I'm tied now. I'm tied to venue owners, other performers, um, people who have started their own event production companies, etc. All through busking, all through playing, and that's how I make um, by constantly bettering my busking. I can I can get it to a point where I can um, support myself through busking and. That, too, has played a huge role in my music, and I think it's sort of reflective of New York scene. Because if, you're, if you walk around the subway, if you're in the subway long enough, you will hear all kinds of musicians. You can hear, um, you can hear someone playing polka, you can hear someone playing hip-hop, you can hear someone playing classical, you hear someone playing jazz, anything. Anything. You can hear it. And I think that's very reflective of what the New York scene, especially the hip-hop scene, is like. It's musicians coming from everywhere with all kinds of experience, like different experience, and they express their norm, their music, their heritage through a certain style. But because it's New York, everyone listens to hip-hop. Whether they want to or not, they listen to hip-hop. They hear hip-hop, and that's and if they choose to make hip hop, that other those other genres that that they put up with that will come out in hip hop. And um, I think that's what we're seeing in the jams here. That's what we're seeing in the um, rehearsals. These musicians are playing a very I think forward thinking way of hip hop, which is essentially fusion. It's they're fusing hip hop with all these styles. Of like I said, classical jazz, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really cool to hear that because I didn't know that you could make a decent amount of money through busking. And I've always been really amazed at the people who do that um, in New York because I've traveled there plenty of times. I've seen it. I've, I've ridden on the trains. Um, but it's just not the same here in Maryland. You know, if I go and stand out at, at the train station, you know, it's very unlikely that I would find someone sitting there playing anything. Um, it's a totally different scene. Uh, and so it's super cool to know that you've met and really networked and connected with people a lot through doing that. Yeah, yeah. I give it up to the the city and its culture. I mean, New York always gets the bad rep for being mean. But <laughs> when it comes down to it, like, 
I can play saxophone on, on the I can play a saxophone in the train car and people don't cuss me out or anything. They don't even think it's weird. <laughs> so it's yeah. <laughs> I have to give it to them to being accepting and open. That's really cool. Hey Zava, what's your take on this? You know, living in New York, it's not cheap, but it's definitely a very different type of culture. You know, what's your experience been like? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I would co-sign with Ben in terms of uh, street performing um, has been integral. Um, I think that, you know, yes, it's it hats off to just the the the, the cultural like wealth that already exists in New York. You know, there's been a foundation laid by I'm sure thousands of street performers before us, where people are already like they 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 expect that from the city. They expect that that sort of liveliness and that sort of energy. And I, I also think that, you know, the thing about New York is there's there's something, even though it can be really, you know, intimidating and, and sometimes once again, yeah, like Ben said, it can have this reputation for being mean or maybe individualistic. I find it's quite the opposite. It's like we all understand by being here that, you know, we're in this together. Like we all understand that it's not easy. It's not easy to um, to to survive based on the cost of living. You know, it's it's a really competitive place. So you know, in this place, the more you know people in the build, the long um, the more you build meaningful connections with people. People want to help you out, and you want to help them out because you understand. You understand. It's like you know, we're all going through this struggle, and we're all trying to get where we're trying to get to. You know. So I, I even feel that in a way, that's what's so beautiful about just, you know, the train system and people are like, you know, they all, everyone on some level, I think gets that. It's like, yeah, I'm trying to make my way and I know you're trying to make your way too. So, you know, they'll see these street performers and, you know, such talented people and they know it's like, yo, like if all I can give you is a dollar, that's still really meaningful. So, you know, it's anything you can do. I think you have to be adaptable. I think you have to be willing to um, look at your scenario and see where you can fit in. I don't think you can be rigid uh, in a place like this, you got to be able to flow and say, well, what what works? What can I do that I'm not doing that might make this a little easier for me, a little better for me? Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, that's that's key in making uh, a success out of music or any other number of things and making it work in New York. Good stuff. Well, I know we're coming towards the end of the interview here, uh, and I thank you guys for hanging in with me. I know we had a couple of technical things, but hey, what's life without a couple of technical glitches? I'd love for you guys to share, you know, House of Hip Hop. Where can people find it? You know, what should people be going to right now to check it out if you're in New York and in the area and want to hear some great music? If you're in the area, I mean, the first thing you can do is go to our website. It's houseofhiphopnyc.com. And there you can find everything that we're about. You can find the lineup. You can find how much it is. And we're selling tickets at $15 a night or a wristband for $35. And if you reach out to me or Zavin or any one of the bands, they can get you a discount code to bring it down to $30 a night. So, you know, you get you, you can get it. You can get access to all four nights for the price of two. Right, for $30, yeah. Good stuff. And so is this something that's going to be ongoing? Do you guys want to keep doing this? I mean, it sounds like something that could really uh, pull in some great bands, and I think that a lot of people are going to want to see happen again. Yeah, that's the plan. We just want to, you know, um, as long as there's a need, 
we're uh, we're here to try and help make that happen. You know. Oh, and I want to say one more thing, and it's for the people who aren't in New York who can't make it here, including a lot of my friends and family in Singapore and Minneapolis. You can tune in. We we will be live streaming this. We will be recording the performances. So if you stay updated with the website, if you check back often, or on Facebook, House of Hip Hop, you can find out when we're gonna stream the the performances. So they so you can uh, be part of it as well. That's awesome. Good stuff, guys. Well, thanks so much for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate it. And uh, definitely looking forward to checking out that live stream when it comes in. We're, we're both looking forward to it yeah, as well, Yeah, thanks man. for having us. Hey, everyone, it's Zeph. Did you like this episode? Be sure to subscribe so that you can tune in next week and tell a friend about the show. If you want access to free training and exclusive interviews on success, happiness, lifestyle design, and adventure, visit me at yearofpurpose.com. Until next time, go out and let life surprise you so that you can live a life rescripted. scripted